Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old pal Ralph here again. I know. I told you that The Ralph Report wouldn't officially begin until January 22nd, but I just can't help myself. Sometimes I just get something in my brain, and I need to say it out loud. And I've been off the air for a while, so now that I've got this page here at Patreon.com, I just jump on here and tell you whatever I'm feeling. Plus, a lot of people have been asking for some specific things for me to hop on here and talk about, and that's what I'm going to do today. But first, it's exciting. We're going to walk the showbiz beat a little bit. Showbiz news this morning just broke over there at Warner Brothers that they have uh, picked a new executive to sort of shepherd all the DC Comics movies over there. It was a guy named Jeff Johns and John Berg were previously doing it. Those guys were in charge of the DC movies. And as you may or may not know, not as much success as they would like with this franchise, with these characters, that they feel they should be doing a lot better with their motion pictures in terms of critical acclaim and box office success with, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. These, uh, these are characters that have lasted uh, practically 100 years. And they are the granddaddies of all superheroes. And in a world of superhero movies, Warners, understandably, thinks that they should be having more success. So they brought in a new executive who was just announced this morning in Variety that Walter Hamada. Walter Hamada is going to be the new production executive overseeing all the DC films at Warner Brothers. Now, who is he? He is a guy who worked for New Line Pictures, which is a division of Warner Brothers. And he helped... Shepherd such horror hits as It and The Conjuring and uh, brought a lot of success to New Line with those films. Now, that being said, this guy obviously knows how to make a movie, how to make a successful film, but does he know anything about the comic book world? That is the question, because uh, Kevin Feige over at Marvel, he's a comics guy, and I think that's a large reason behind all the success that Marvel's had with their films. Does this guy, Walter Hamada, have any idea about the world of comics? I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, He reportedly does enjoy a close relationship with director James Wan, who will be directing the Aquaman movie for DC. So, look, they need to change a direction. They haven't had much success other than with Wonder Woman. And so... Maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be the thing that turns the ship around. And with that in mind, the real reason I jumped on here today was because for a while now, many folks have been asking for my take on the new Justice League movie that came out in November. Now, I know it's been it's been a while, but I've been off the air for a while. Haven't really had a chance to talk about it. People have been asking a lot of tweets. So I'm going to take this opportunity with the new Ralph Report format and get my take on Justice League out there. Now, listen up. First of all, spoilers. I'm going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it, then you probably don't care about this review anyway, but if you haven't seen it, you might want to hold off on listening to this until you have seen it. Secondly, if you didn't like my reviews of Man of Steel or Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad, first of all, you shouldn't be listening to this because you're not going to like this review either. That being said, I liked Justice League more than I liked those films. So that's something, right? Okay, let's get into it. Justice League. There you go. There's the uh, the music from Danny Elfman. And by the way, did anyone think that the soundtrack was just okay? Were you shocked like I was? 
that Danny Elfman, who was almost always remarkable, was sort of pedestrian, serviceable in this film, which is kind of like the overview of the whole film for me. It was fine. Largely, it was fine. In fact, there's some really good moments in it, which you can't say about a lot of DC movies. But, man, there was a lot wrong with it. All right, let's get into it. Um, first of all, it kicks off with this weird uh, small children having some sort of podcast video interview with Superman with the digitally covered up mustache. It was all very unnecessary and sort of pointless. That's how you begin the film. But then we kick in with a really sort of exciting Batman fight scene on a rooftop. And that's that was one of the highlights of the film for me. It was one of those moments where you're like, wow, this movie really makes me want to see a good Batman movie. And this is what it could look like. Really entertaining sequence. And then we get right away into the sort of clunky dialogue that sinks this film. Batman's fighting with some sort of cat burglar up on the rooftop. It's all very exciting. And then a parademon shows up and Batman battles the parademon and it, it, it self-destructs. And the, the burglar, this very aware burglar, says, what is that? Batman says it was a scout. And he goes, for an alien army? Is this because Superman left us? Is that why the aliens are... Hey, 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 exposition burglar. Why... First of all, they tell you this a million times in the film that the reason these aliens are invading is because Superman is dead. It, it's well covered. We don't need this burglar to have this awkward speech that sounds like he's reading it off a cue card to kind of set up the film for us. Really clunky. And speaking of this sequence, Batman throws a net over a parademon, and once the parademon is caught in the net, it self-destructs. This, I think, would have been a useful piece of information to use throughout the rest of the film as they're battling squadrons, fleets, giant flocks of parademons over and over in this film. It would have been to Batman's benefit to remember that if you threw a net over them, they would self-destruct. That would come in handy, I would think, while you're battling them. Instead of spending $50 million on a giant troop transport to get five people someplace, maybe you want to invest in a giant bat net, like a, just, a, just a big butterfly net with a bat on the handle, and you just capture the parademons and let them explode. How about that? How about using that little piece of knowledge, Batman, world's greatest detective? And then in one of the many examples in this film where it just refuses to play by, even by its own logic. Uh, Batman says he's going to go north. He's going to go get Aquaman. They're going to start the battle and fire up the fuel up the jet. We're going to fly north. We're going to get Aquaman. And so when he lands there to get Aquaman, he's got a full beard when he shows up, which means either the bat plane is the slowest fucking plane in the world, or it really wasn't that urgent. And Batman took a few months off before he went looking for Aquaman. Did not understand why Ben Affleck shows up with a full beard once he starts hunting down Aquaman in some Norwegian fishing village. But then we do get one of the best scenes in the film by far, which is the Wonder Woman sequence where she saves an entire building full of hostages from some terrorists. And it was, it was great. And it just makes you pine and yearn for another Wonder Woman movie because, let's face it, that was the best and most successful of all of the DC comic book movies. And she's just, Gal Gadot is just amazing. And the sequence was well done. And it made you say, yes, this is what a superhero movie should feel like. Before we get back into this film, we're going to show you what a good superhero movie could look like if we chose to go in that direction. Although, again, undone by this clunky dialogue, she wraps the, the lasso of truth around one of these terrorists, and he is compelled, of course, to tell the truth. But here's the thing. He doesn't think he's a terrorist. So when she says, who are you, 
And he says, we are a small group of reactionary terrorists. That's not what he would say because he doesn't think he's a terrorist. He would say he's a freedom fighter or he's going to take down uh, big corporations or he's going to end imperialism. Whatever his truth is, that's what would come out. He wouldn't give us the screenwriter's explanation about who they are, would he? Regardless, great moments with Wonder Woman. So, so far we've got Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and then we meet the Flash. My biggest problem with this film. Flash, in the film, his father says he is one of the most brilliant kids you've ever met. Then why is he such a nimrod? Why he's such a total idiot in this film was a source of total frustration for me. Look, I understand they're trying to make him comic relief. And I get it. You can make Barry Allen be a nerd. But why does he have to be an idiot? Why does he have to start doing observational comedy that is just falling flat left and right? He, he goes into this, what is brunch bit? What is brunch? What's up with brunch? Why is that people are waiting in line for what's basically lunch? It's unbelievable. He becomes Seinfeld Flash. And it happens throughout the film. It's like he's got some sort of brain damage. Oh, awesome. As a bat signal, that's your... Oh, shit. Your signal, that means we have to go now. Yeah, that's that's what that means. It's so cool. Oh, it's the bat signal. You that's your signal. That means we have to go now. Oh, oh, oh unbelievable. What this is like a cave. It's like a bat cave, yeah. I'm sitting in the Batmobile. Look at me. He should be wearing a helmet all the time, not just when he's fighting crime. Why would you make a character so important to the film this annoying? It's like Jimmy Fallon as The Flash. It was even more annoying than biker Aquaman, which I thought would be the big problem in the film for me. Aquaman, uh, who spends all of his time by himself in the ocean, in this movie it seems like he spends all of his time by himself watching Denzel Washington films because everything out of his mouth is, my man, all right, yeah, don't get up in my shit, Batman. I, I couldn't understand at all the characterization of this guy who was half fish half man who lives in the ocean and is sort of a an exiled king I, I i didn't understand the take to make him one of the sons of anarchy then we meet cyborg who is arguably the most important character in this film when you think about it here's a guy who is literally made from the object that they are trying to stop he is made from the mother box these three mother boxes brought together are an enormous power for destruction. He is made from that. He is tapped into that technology in his brain and throughout his body. Nobody is more key in this adventure than Cyborg, and no one is more pushed to the background in this film than Cyborg is. He shows up and does some important stuff, but for the most part, he is not front and center in this film, and I'm going to try to assume it's just bad screenwriting and there's no sinister racist motive behind the fact that the one black character does not get as much presence in this film as he absolutely deserves. But it's at this point that the film really starts to fall apart, largely because it starts playing off of things that it has not earned in terms of this franchise. Uh, Lois Lane and Clark's mom get together like they've been pals for years, and Lois and Clark were dating for like a minute before he died in Batman v Superman. It was like sort of the tail end of Man of Steel, and then boom. It was all over. And everyone's talking about how he was beloved and everyone loved him and he was the, the Earth's greatest hero. They, he had, we haven't earned that in this, in this series of films yet. Because he, at first he was destroying Metropolis, fighting one bad guy, and then the government was sort of holding hearings to see what they should do about him, and then he died. Why is everyone treating like he was this, he was this beloved hero? He's, he didn't get to that part of his story yet. 
And Ben Affleck starts talking about how Clark was, is more human than I am, and I fought by his side. and it, Like they were best pals, when for the majority of their relationship, Batman was trying to kill that dude, and then once he found out his, his mom's name was Martha, they started fighting together. Minutes before he died. So it's not like they have any long relationship. They, they started reaching back to a story that didn't exist. And it falls flat. You don't, you don't connect up with those characters or those motivations in this film because they're simply not there. Anyway, it becomes a big bunch of fight scenes, and that's fine. And boy, do people get thrown into walls in this movie. That is like the, the violence of choice of this film. If you ever see it again, notice how many times people just get thrown into walls. Not a lot of punching, not a lot of kicking, but a lot of throwing into walls and walls exploding, even underwater. People thrown underwater into a wall and the wall exploding, which is practically physically impossible. But uh, a lot of walls, a lot of people being slammed into walls. Uh, Superman finally shows up after after he's uh, reborn. Reborn, by the way, using a piece of technology, which is a source of energy, but apparently is not in that moment where he's reborn. They can't get it jump-started. So the Flash has to touch a cube that is, by definition, an energy engine. He's got to jumpstart it by basically rubbing his feet across a carpet long enough to get up some static electricity so he can touch the box that will then turn over and become an energy source again and turn dead Superman into live Superman. Didn't make any fucking sense at all. But the good news is Superman is back. And here is another piece of the film that I really enjoyed. For the first time in any of these films, this was the best characterization of Superman by far. It took him dying and coming back for him to become the Superman that I think we all know and love and works best in this world. He took on the role that Superman needs to take on. Selfless, cared more about civilians than he cared about the fight that was in front of him. He was a leader, he had a sense of humor, he smiled, he laughed, he brought truth, justice, and the American way back to this franchise. So that was another really positive thing in this film for me. You got three great moments. You got a great Batman moment, a great Wonder Woman moment, and you got this great Superman characterization, which I really think, for the first time, Henry Cavill sort of felt like Superman. And so finally, the gang's together, and of course they fight incredibly fake CGI Steppenwolf, the bad guy, and uh, that was awful, by the way. Really bad CGI, by the way, right? Looked like a commercial for one of those uh, battle apps on your phone where you fight different forces. That's what it looked like. Just awful. And they team up, and they they battle him, and they save the day, of course, and they save the the Russian family that has been living inside a cardboard box throughout the whole film, and these parademons who can tear through solid concrete and steel— can't get into their house because they have windows and they put a bookcase up against the window. Why are we spending any time with this family? I don't understand it. Nothing paid off with them. It was very strange. But we save them and we save everybody who's living there in Chernobyl. And it's all very fun. And, and Idiot, Idiot Flash does get to say Dostoevsky to uh, the Russian family. Even though, of course, uh, anyone, any idiot would know that that is a Russian author and not how you say goodbye or hello in Russian. And in the bonus scenes, we get the, the race between Flash and Superman. Very entertaining. And then, of course, the whole thing is ruined by uh, Jesse Eisenberg returning as Luther. So he's threatening us with another performance of Lex Luthor. And uh, that's what it looks like we're going to get. Him and uh, Deathstroke putting together 
the the league of their own, which I can only hope there will be a line in that film that says, there's no crying in villainy. Look, I did not like this film, in case you're not picking up on that. However, as I said, there were moments, fleeting moments, that you could look at and say, yes, here's something we can build on. And so, enters Walter Hamada, this production executive from New Line. Let's see what he can do, right? Let's see if he can... Turn the ship around, take these characters that have so much goodwill and so much great history behind them and uses them in a way that allows them to organically build a cinematic universe like Marvel did. I I get why DC wants to be Marvel, but they are really trying to run before they ever walked with these films. I think that's why they keep stumbling. You have to remember there was a there was Iron Man, a couple Iron Man films and a couple Captain America films. They started they built the momentum that Marvel was built on for a while. DC's just trying to make everything happen all at once, and you'd end up connecting with none of it because you don't have any history with these characters. You don't believe the motivations. You don't believe the characterizations. They need to take their time and start making good movies one at a time before they can start making giant franchises. And so that's the marching orders for this new guy, Walter Hamada, over there at Warner Brothers. As I mentioned earlier, just announced in Variety, he's taking over the DC comic book canon trying to turn their ship around and make these films work both critically and financially. It's a tall order, but I think it can be done. You have some of the best characters ever created, some of the best pop culture, hell, best fictional characters ever created in American history at your fingertips. All you need to do is bring in some people who know how to use them. So let's see what happens. Keep our fingers crossed. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Ralph Report. Don't forget, January 22nd is the premiere of the Ralph Report coming at you Monday through Friday. I'll be doing my brand new show. You can subscribe by going to theralphreport.com or at patreon.com slash Ralph Report. I love you. I mean it. I'll talk to you soon.